again learning this amazing Fabrengen, where the Rebbe goes into three layers of meaning in the words, I am to my beloved. And what we did so far was explain the uh, meaning of Elul uh, vis-a-vis Rosh Hashanah, Elul's preparation for Shoshana. Shoshana is the day we crown Hashem as our king. And so the first thing that Anila did, to my beloved, means is to crown Hashem as our king, to accept upon ourselves Hashem to be our king. Anila Deidi means I must serve my beloved. And that is, how do we serve our beloved? By doing what things Hashem asks us to do. So that's why El is also an acronym for um, the three ways of serving Hashem. El stands for, you know, Santilach, you know, they daily Lee, and Isha, three sukim, three verses which talk about Teret Fil and Stuck. And El um, also has the other two acronyms that. Acronym about teshuva and an acronym about geula, an acronym about returning to Hashem, an acronym about redemption. So, on the surface, the connection between El and the other two acronyms is: you're supposed to serve Hashem, you're supposed to accept upon us yourself Hashem as your king. And if you don't, you can always rectify things with teshuva, which El is you're empowered to do teshuva. And what you create by doing the service of Hashem uh, is you bring the geula, you bring the coming of Mashiach. That's the simple way to explain the acronyms. The order of the acronyms. Here's the way to serve God. Here's what you do if you mess up. And here's where you're going. Here's here's what you do. Here's the uh, here's a tool to use if you mess up. And here's what, what this what this creates. That's a simple meaning of these five acronyms. But what we learned yesterday was far deeper. What we said yesterday is is that the other two acronyms, which are not about the actual stuff you do, returning to Hashem and redemption, aren't merely the goal of what you need to do or a tool to fix things if you mess up. But rather, everything that a Jew does has to incorporate, has to involve the theme of the fourth and the fifth acronym. And the fourth and fifth acronym correspond to two other layers of meaning of I am to my beloved. Besides I am to my beloved meaning I must serve my beloved, I have to do what my beloved says whether I like it or not. Uh, I am to my beloved, the emphasis of the word beloved highlights that it's not you're serving someone you don't like, but that you want the service. You want the connection. It's not you're doing this because you have to. You're doing this because you want to. This is what you. This is your beloved. You're close to your beloved. And you love your beloved, and you want to be with your beloved. Um, so I'm to my beloved means that teshuva. I want to be close to my beloved. That's the fourth acronym of El. And whatever Jew does has to has to have this feeling of teshuva. That's why the, the Mishnah says that, we, that the soul comes to this world to do teshuva and good deeds. What's the meaning of teshuva and good deeds? Why does it say teshuva first, then good deeds, good deeds second? It would seem, do good deeds, and if you mess up, teshuva is a tool. The answer is that no, teshuva is not just a tool. Teshuva is a prerequisite before you do anything. Before a Jew does anything, he has to have this feeling, I am, I am my beloved, I want, to, I want to connect with my beloved, I love my beloved, and therefore my service isn't just things I need to do, but things I want to do. Because this is my beloved, this is the one I love. And now I'm going to the third layer of Anil Deidi. And the third layer of Anil Deidi is not just I'm serving my beloved, but I am to my beloved means that my whole being is about my beloved. 
not just I serve my beloved with love, but I, everything about me, is my beloved. It's for my beloved. Let's look into um, Oisei. This will lead us to the fifth acronym of El, the idea of redemption. After a person has achieved all the above, he is accepted upon himself to serve Hashem, to actually do what he needs to do. And then, not just he accepts it, not just he says, I am for my beloved, but he does it. And he actually serves Hashem in Torah, in prayer, and kindness. He's doing, he's showing up, he's batting a thousand. In that shuva, and if he misses a, a ball, he does shuva. And not just he does shuva, but whatever he does is with shuva. He, even if he's trying to rectify something that's, we learned yesterday, an amazing thing, they ever mentioned that even when you're rectifying something which is really, leaves a lot to be desired, it shouldn't just be done with a feeling of regret, it should be done with a feeling of, I want to be closer. Even though you're, you're, you're dealing with something which is very undesirable, don't make it only taking out the garbage, taking out the garbage in your life. The, there has to be a sense of, I want to be closer to Hashem, which is propelling you to, do the, to connect to Hashem and to reject things which separate you. So even, even the stuff which isn't the way it's meant to be, you know it's the way not, and you're embarrassed about it. Don't ruin the... As Rabbi Tzvi Friedman told us when he was here, he said, uh, don't, don't, what do you say? He said, uh, what, a, what, a, what a waste of Naveira. What a waste of Naveira if it doesn't bring you to, to a, a higher closeness to Hashem. So don't, don't, don't ruin the, the moment of being closer to Hashem just because it, it's something very ugly. Well, the outcome, depending on what the driver is, the, what, what's driving you, will change, make a difference in the outcome, which is obviously... The, the, oh, Right. Right, and that, that's and the way the way your your decision is is uh, animated when you when you know you're doing this because you're connected to Hashem. That that's why it becomes. Well, it will hopefully be a much more less than when the drive is to connect to Hashem and connect and right. continue to propel. So the other one will propel you into heaviness. Right, it's true. That's why you don't want if the last the outcome is not going to be good lasting. Right, like all these twelve-step programs right. to talk about. Okay, so you've done all, you've rejected all this, but then you're empty. Where do you go now? And you have to have something else to fill that. So, okay, so you do that. You're doing this. You're doing true with love, and everything you're doing with with love. You're doing Torah with love. You're praying with love. You're even kindness with love. It's about connecting to Hashem. You're feeling that. So you haven't yet, despite the fact you're doing everything perfect, and you're doing it with a feeling of love. You're still not at the third layer of Anil Adedi, you're still not accepting Hashem as your king in a perfect way. What does that mean? We see clearly in the way things work by a human king. And we learned yesterday the reason things happen by a human king in a certain way is because that's the way things happen in heaven. Even after the people correct the king and they accept upon themselves the king's sovereignty, the people remain their own entity and the king remains his own entity. There's still a divide between them. He is the king, they're the people. Even if the king is a ruler of the entire world, even if he has many kings under him, each of these kings that he rules, rules over many, many people. However, it's self-understood. The king doesn't um, take interest and mix in with each person's life, the details of their life, and all the people under his, under his jurisdiction. There are many, many things happening in the country. 
Not just in the country at large. How much more so in people's lives personally, right? The king isn't involved. The king isn't involved in every detail of his kingdom. Just even the more things which are affecting the community, the affecting the public. He's also not affect. He's not. He's also not. Certainly not involved in the details of the lives of each person in his in his uh, kingdom. He doesn't. He doesn't know what kind of toothpaste he got. You know. He's not. He's not. He's not involved. In not just in your toothpaste. He's not involved. He doesn't know when the street signs are being changed. The king. Yes, people accept it upon themselves. The king is their king, but he's not involved in every detail of the country, and certainly not involved in every detail of every person in his country. There are things that the king doesn't even know about. No, no, no one informs the king because they're not, it's not, it's not, it's not something which is relevant to him. Further, the people, it's not that they are, their whole desire in their life, their whole ambition, their whole, all their inner thoughts, how can we fulfill the desire of the king? That's not that way. The people have their own lives, they may have accepted the king as their king, but that's just a coronation, that's just a, a relationship, that's just a sense of, if the king would tell them to do something, okay, so they would do it. But it's not that they're living their lives, that their whole, all their inner thoughts and all their desires and all that they want is, how can we do what the king wants? It's not the way it is. They, the king doesn't know about their lives, doesn't know about the, even the cities in his kingdom, many things that are going on in many cities. People don't inform the king about their private lives. The king people don't take interest in the king and everything that they're doing. They have their own lives. And it's not that, that their whole desire is, how can we do what the king wants? They have their own lives disconnected from the king. So it's understood that the real meaning of crowning the king that Hashem asks us to do on Shoshana, the perfect way of crowning the king is that your, that your devotion and your acceptance when you incarnate Hashem as your king is in a way that it permeates your whole entire existence and every detail of your life that you feel that your whole existence is about the king. That That's the that's the third level of Anil Devi, that I am to my beloved, I'm about my beloved. Not just I serve my beloved, not just I love my beloved, but who am I? My life is about my beloved. I am my, to my beloved. I am to my beloved. That's, that, that's the way it's meant to be. How does that work? Let's go next. It's an amazing thing. According to this, we can explain, the Gemara says, but the ten verses that we recite in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, in Tzorat Hashemana Esrei, we recite uh, three, three blessings. A blessing about God's sovereignty, a blessing about God's remembrance, and a blessing about Shofar. And in each blessing, we're supposed to recite ten verses. Ten verses about the theme of each blessing. So there are ten verses about sovereignty, ten, ten verses about remembrance, ten verses about uh, returning to God. So, the Talmud says, Ma'ach yisflasu the way it works is you have four verses about God's sovereignty from the Torah, four verses from the prophets, and four verses from the writings, from the whole Tanakh. It's supposed to be spread out. Four from the from the five books of Moses, and three from the prophets, three from the writings. So the Talmud asks, we only have three in the Torah. The only three verses in the Torah which talk about God's sovereignty. We need four. So where it says... The verse, Hero Israel, God is our Lord, God is one, it also denotes God's sovereignty. And that's the last verse 
in the in the um, blessing. Before we say Baruch Hashem, before we conclude the blessing, we we, we mention the verse Shiro Israel God is one. Why why that verse? Because that verse is also about God's sovereignty. You may not say the word sovereignty, but it's about sovereignty. So ever asked a question, which I think if you ask this question in, in, in elementary school, they would the teacher would just get upset by the question. Question is like this: Chayin move on. Because I understood. How could it be that the conclusion of all the verses about God's sovereignty is the one which doesn't mention God's sovereignty? It's about God's sovereignty, yes, but it doesn't say the word sovereignty. If we're interested in all the verses having the word sovereignty in them, about God's kingship in them, the last verse, the concluding verse, doesn't have it. Not only that. God could do whatever he wants. Why couldn't God add another fourth verse in the five books of Moses which talks about God's sovereignty? If we need to have ten verses about God's sovereignty, put another verse in the Torah. The concluding verse doesn't talk about God's sovereignty. The whole point is God's sovereignty. And therefore every other verse mentions God's sovereignty. But this this, uh, uh, verse which is the anomaly, that's a concluding verse. And the reason we use that word is because we don't have any others. Why can't God just put in a verse that um, that would really um, uh, say the word sovereignty? He's the one who wrote the Torah. If he needs ten verses, let him make ten verses. Why is this verse specifically not mentioning God's sovereignty? Our request that God should rule over us, what are we really asking for? We're asking that God's sovereignty should be manifest. God's sovereignty is not dependent on our acceptance. As we say every day in our prayers, you are the master of the world before anything was created. You are the master, before anything is created, you're already the king. So, so Hashem doesn't need us to be the king. He's already the king before there's anything else. So what is our role? Our role is that God's sovereignty should be manifest. What we achieve by accepting upon ourselves Hashem is our king is that God should reveal His sovereignty. Chassidus talks about different layers of desire. Um, there is desire called, which is classified as Ratzin HaMuchlat, desire which is called Ratzin HaNela, desire which is called Ratzin HaGolik. Ratzin HaMuchlat means that in your very essence, in your very core, you are built with a yearning for something. You may never know you had this yearning ever. You can live your whole life and never even feel this. But you, um, you have that in you. It says in the Talmud, anyone does not have a home, is not a person. Talmud says every person is created with a desire for a home. You may not think about having a home, it may interest you, but that's in you. The reason we have it, by the way, is because God wants a home. Since God wants a home, therefore in us there is this desire for a home. The second kind of desire is Ratzanel, uh, where you actually entertain this desire, and you have thought this is a good idea. It's not like you're actually going to do it, but it's something which you've decided is something which, which is a worthy pursuit. You've said this is a good idea. Ratzanella means you said to yourself, this is a good idea. So you may have not bought life insurance yet, but you've decided, I want to get life, life insurance is a great idea. So Ratzangolu, a, a manifest desire is, 
when you actually are actively wanting and trying to get something done. It's not just something that you decide is a good idea, but you really want it. Doesn't necessarily mean you've done anything yet, but you actually want it. This is on your mind, I want to do this. Not just it's appropriate but to do one day, but I want this. In a similar way, God has a desire to be our king. God wants to be the king of the Jewish people. And through us, as we learned yesterday, that the Jewish people bring God's sovereignty throughout the whole world by revealing God's, God's uh, truth in the world. Uh, we, we are, we are um, the ones who cause Hashem to be revealed as a king in the world. So on Shoshana, Hashem, so to speak, um, shows this favor to the world. He, so to speak, says, I'm hiding. I'm not interested in being the king anymore. The reason does this is because Hashem wants us to seek Him, to look for Him, to ask Him, no, we want you to be our king. So there is a desire in God's essence to be the king. However, He wants us to call forth that desire by asking Him to be our king. And depending on how much our desire um, reaches Him, so to speak, that's the kind of sovereignty, that's the kind of energy the world will have. Depending on God's pleasure, in other words, our devotion to God elicits great pleasure and desire to be the king. Depending on, until that moment where God accepts our sovereignty, God accepts our, our uh, rather, our request to be the king, it says the world is, so to speak, in a state of dormita. Dormita means, means like someone who's sleeping or someone who's doing a job and they're not interested in what they're doing. They're just doing something, they're putting one foot in front of the other, time to make the donuts, but they don't, they, they don't really, um, they don't really want to do what they're doing. They're just, they're just moving along. So, so to speak, the world exists, but there's a withdrawal. There's no pleasure, there's no desire in creation. And that's why um, there was said that tzaddikim, who have luminous eyes, they could see the night of Rosh Hashanah, things are different. And they're obeying our Rebbe's, um, had a different way of, of leading to Hashem on the night of Rosh Hashanah. They, they pl- prayed for many, many hours longer than they usually would. They wouldn't speak at all the night of Rosh Hashanah, very serious time. So the acceptance of Hashem, we blow shofar, and we, we ask God to be our king, that causes a great pleasure to Hashem. Just like a human king. In fact, the reason why this way by a human king is because this is the way it is by Hashem. Our acceptance causes the human king to say, yes, I want to be your, I want to be your king. He makes him excited to be the king. And so too, does our acceptance cause God to be excited, so to speak, to be our king. And his excitement and the, the, the measure of his excitement, which is commensurate to our devotion to him, is the kind of energy that the world receives that year. So... That's the, the theme of what we're doing with Shoshana, is to cause God's sovereignty to become manifest. Not just that He should be our King, but His sovereignty should be, should be revealed. That He should want to be the King. Not just, He is the King anyways, not anything existing. But the purpose of our acceptance is that there should be revelation of His sovereignty, which the ultimate expression of God's sovereignty is, as we say in the prayers of Shoshana, that all created beings should know that you made them. All, all things that have been created should know that, know that you're the ones who formed them. Everything that has a soul in his body should say, you, the, Hashem, the God of Israel, is the king. That's, that's the real expression of God's sovereignty, where the God's sovereignty is revealed in the world. Not just that God wants to be king in an open way, but that God's sovereignty is revealed. That's, that's the role of saying these ten verses of God's sovereignty to elicit God's desire to be our king. And further, the God's sovereignty should be revealed in the world. The Mashiach should come. Rosh Hashanah is really uh, about, the purpose of creation is the coming of Mashiach. Rosh Hashanah is, our request that God should be our king, is that he should be in, in a manifest way, the Mashiach Shekah. So that's what the, these verses are about. They're about God becoming our king, and God not just becoming our king in a hidden way, but the, the, the angle over here specifically is, to, the trajectory is that we want God to be our king in a manifest way. Therefore we must say, 
שהפוסק שמעה יסור השם אלוקינו אחר, שבו יחסם פסוק מאחז מודגש אינם אתה מוכמאחז בפסח השם היועץ כל שער פסוק משלוטי. So we have to say in the last verse, the conclusion of all the verses, here are wizard, God is our Lord, God is one, it must be that that verse specifically highlights the idea of God's sovereignty more than all other verses, and that's the ultimate expression of God's sovereignty. Why, how could that, why is that? Explanation like this. What's the full expression of acceptance of the king's sovereignty? The full, the full meaning of coronating the king. The full meaning of coronating the king is that you feel that your entire being is only the king. So, in the other verses where it says the, the word sovereignty explicitly, like the first three verses of the Torah that the Talmud mentions, Hashem Elkav Imei, O Suras Melch Bay, V'Yim Shem Melach, Hashem Yochlin Levad. In other verses, the Jewish people had a king; God will reign forever. In those verses, in the Karas and Gashas Gamatzu say, "On." In those verses, there is an expression of the king's sovereignty, yes, but also the existence of the people that crown the king. They're there too. El Shem Melach Nitzvah The king is with them. They are nullified. They are subservient to him, but there's still a separate entity called the people. That's in the other nine, other nine verses. However, in the conclusionary verse, in the verse, Hero of Israel, Israel, God is our Lord, God is one. What's unique about that verse? And that verse is an expression of the ultimate acceptance of the king, where the people feel that their entire being is the existence of the king. Hashem is one. Hashem is one means, as the Talmud says the word Echad has in it three letters. One, uh, Aleph, Ches, and Aleph, which is numerically equivalent to one, eight, and four. So when we say God is one, we mean God is the only one who is in the eight, in the seven heavens and the earth. Vertically, right? Everywhere. He is everywhere. And Dalit means the four directions, uh, north, south, east, and west, that Hashem is one means that the entire existence of, the, of the, everything is Hashem. It's not just Hashem is the king of over, over everything, but Hashem, but everything that exists is godliness. Everything that exists is Him. So the Pasuk Hashem Echad doesn't mention the people. It's not a deficiency in that verse. It's not, oh, we'll use that verse. It's a lousy verse to use, but we don't have a choice. God didn't write another verse in the Torah, so we'll use this verse. No, Hashem specifically wants us to use that verse. And He didn't put another verse of, of, of sovereignty in the Torah because the, the what this verse highlights is the highest level. It's the last verse. Never highlights the highest level of devotion to Hashem, where all there is is Him. The reason why this is the conclusionary verse is because at the end of this prayer, we want to emphasize that the the ultimate expression of God's sovereignty is God is one. That there's total devotion to the king, the extent that the whole existence of the people is nothing other than the king. And there is nothing besides him. That's the that's the third um, layer of Anilo Deidi. I am my beloved. I my whole being is about my beloved. Hashem is one. Not just I am subservient to him and I have my identity, but I love him. But the Anilo Deidi means all there is is him. And that's the uh, reason why the Torah specifically includes this verse, because this verse, it doesn't talk about the people. This verse is the highest level of sovereignty, not that the people have their life, the king has his life. This verse highlights all the, the, the existence of the people is about the oneness of Hashem. Any questions, comments?
criticism, tomatoes. Real small question. Yes. The three sources from these where these statements come from is Torah, Tanakh. Is that what you said? Yeah, three verses from, from the Tanakh. Four from the written Torah, three from the prophets, and three from the writings. And three from the pro- I'm sorry, and the last one was from the writings, like the hill and. Oh, okay, okay. The writings. I just need the word. All right. Okay, good. A great day. This road. Out of. Okay. Good. Good.